So the, the scripture that this uh, is based upon is from Isaiah chapter 13, verses 21. Um, it's, that's the only time we're going to be in Isaiah is on that verse. That's our, our sort of linchpin for today. And it says this, And when you turn to the right, or when you turn to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. And... This, the uh, the kids' song that we had was within the context of that theme because they were singing, were they, wherever you lead me, I will follow. So throughout this uh, talk, keep in mind the phrase, the way. The way. Obviously, we know that that's what the Christians were called before they were called Christians. They were followers of the way uh, and for good reason. So, so hold that in mind. So we're going into uh, John 14, first of all, that's where we're starting. Starting at verse 4. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then from verse 8 over the next few verses, Philip is asking, well, show us the Father then. And Jesus is saying, come on, don't you understand yet? Uh, and he, he says to them, the Father and I are one. So in thinking about the way, how do we follow the way? Jesus tells us and shows us in this scripture. So from verse 10, do you not believe that I am the Father Sorry, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Remember that phrase, I do not speak my, on my own. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Because he then qualifies this. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, so... If you do not believe by what I'm saying to you, then believe me because of the works themselves. He's just said that the Father does his works through him. So he, he's not doing them of himself. It's the Father who's doing it. So if you don't believe when Jesus says that the Father is in me, then believe because you see the works that I'm doing. Because it's not me, it's the Father who's doing it. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. What's interesting in, in this scripture that I'm reading to you and the verses that I'm going to read to you in a minute, are all building this picture of who Jesus is, of his relationship with his Father, of the re relationship with the Spirit, and our relationship with him is, is saying, I'm going and I'm coming, I'm, I'm leaving, but I'm sending. He's got all this going on in, in a very short space of time. So, and he goes on to say, uh, if, if you ask, uh, sorry, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Now, who knows and who's got the experience of you've asked Jesus to do something and he's not done it. 
or simply that's how it feels. Well, there's a clause here that's not really mentioned. It says, if you ask according to the way, according to his way, according to the will of God. He's, God in his capacity can do anything, literally anything. He can turn a tree into a cow. He can change the laws of physics and make the world flat. He can do whatever he wants. In his capacity, he is able to do so because he is God. But God in his character won't just do anything. We know that there are things that he won't do because he's told us so in Scripture. There are certain things that we're seeing in society in today where people are expecting certain things to be treated as normal. And we're saying, well, what? and they're saying that's okay by God. Well, God can do anything, so perhaps that is possible, but in his character, he's not going to do those things. And when we pray, when we're saying, God, will you do, in his capacity, he could. But in his character, he won't necessarily, because he won't contradict himself. He won't contradict his word. He won't contradict what the Spirit is saying. So let's pick up on verse, on verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, and then listen to this, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. We've got a present and a future tense statement there. He's saying about the spirit of truth, the advocate, saying he is, he abides with you, present tense, as he's speaking to them at that point, and future tense, he will be in you. So what's he referring to? Well, we know he's referring to the Holy Spirit, but what, what other name is given to the Holy Spirit? It's the spirit of Jesus. Jesus, at this point, is with them. He is abiding with them. He's going to be saying to them throughout the scripture, I'm leaving you. So he's no longer going to be with them. But he's saying, I'll ask my father to send the advocate who will come and be in you. And this is what he says next from verse 18. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and I, you in me, and I in you. He is building this picture that he is leaving, but he's not leaving you orphaned, because he is going to return but not as they understand him now, as Jesus, but in the form of his spirit. And he's going to not just be with them, but in them. And he's modifying as he goes the language that he says, because he said from verse 8, he's saying that the Father and I are one. He's saying that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. And now he's inserted something else. He's saying, I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. 
So now we've not just got that the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father and the Spirit is in the... We, we are now also part of the equation. He is going to be in us and we are going to be in him. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me and those who love me will be loved by my Father and I will love them and reveal myself to them. And this revelation is the fact that they will recognize as they have, as they have been with Jesus, they recognize him through his character, through the things that he's said and the things that he's done. And that when, he's, when he leaves and when the spirit comes and lives in them, they will see him because they recognize that same character, that same nature, that same person who is now living in them by the spirit. And then verse 23, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. He's constantly reinforcing the message that he's getting, saying that you are not going to be alone. That right now you have me, Jesus. But in the time to come, you are not just going to have me, you're going to have the Holy Spirit, and you're also going to have the Father. So the way isn't, isn't simply about a direction. The way is about a person. It's Jesus by his Spirit. And more than that, it's even the Father who is the destination. So a greater proof if you like that it's not about simply a, di a direction to go that we've got to get somewhere because the destination is already with us in the father so as we had in the kids song wherever you lead i will follow it's we go in the completion that god has given to us all things that we need as it says later on in the scriptures we've been given everything that we need for godly living for a righteous life. We've been given all things. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. All things are being given to us. So we're not trying to get somewhere. We're just simply trying to be like someone. And that is Jesus. And then we have the Advocate, the Spirit. Verse 26. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. It was this that reminded me of Isaiah 30. We've got the Spirit. When the Spirit lives in us, he will remind us. He will teach us everything and remind us of everything that Jesus has said. So when you're looking for direction in life and you're turning to the left and you're turning to the, light, to the right, listen to the voice behind you who will say, this is the way, walk in it. He instructs us, he guides us, and he reminds us of the truth of Jesus so that when we're faced with the things of the world and we're thinking, well, what's right and what's wrong? Which way should I follow? Should I, should I listen to these voices or should I listen to those voices? Well, this is the Spirit of God who says, remember what Jesus said. Remember what the Word says. This is the way, walk in it. So what does the way look like? I hear you cry. Okay, all right, we'll forget that one. What does the way look like? Well, obviously it looks like Jesus, 
And there's a thousand different directions that we could go in from here, but I'm going to focus on one you'll be pleased to hear. And this takes us into Deuteronomy. Not necessarily one of my favourite books, but nevertheless, it's the word of God and it speaks truth. And from verse 4, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord chapter alone. Six. Sorry, chapter 6, Deuteronomy 6, from verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So this is about loving God, obviously. This is about loving God. And how important is this? Well, it features as number one of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Which echoes, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, the Lord is one. There is no other God. The world will have you believe either that there is none, or there's lots. Choose whichever you want to follow. That is a lie. There is only one. We're going to pick up again. Let me just read that verse 4 and 5 again. And we're going to carry on into verse 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk to them about about sorry and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away and when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So do they consider this important? Basically, in every waking moment in your conversation. The Lord our God is one. So let this truth guard and guide your heart, your mouth, your hand, meaning your actions, your forehead, meaning your mind, the gateways to your house, meaning what you let into your life. That's a pretty good way for us to, to interpret that Old Testament statement and how to apply it. And Jesus picks up on this in Mark 12 from verse 29. Jesus answered when he was asked a question to test him. The first is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now in Mark and in Luke, we have an insertion into that Old Testament scripture. The bit that says, and with all your mind. We didn't read that in Deuteronomy, and yet it's here. Interestingly, it's not in the Matthew scripture that is quoted more verbatim of the Old Testament. And I think this is because the Jewish people that Matthew was writing to understood that it meant love the Lord with everything, all that you are. But when you're speaking to Gentiles, to the Greeks, and with all their kind of background of philosophies and different gods and all this kind of thing, they had to include your mind as well as your heart and your soul and your strength. 
just to say, just to reiterate to them, this does, really does mean everything. But Jesus then goes on to say, the second is this, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And this points to the second part of loving. It's first of all, loving God. And then it's also loving our neighbour or loving others as ourselves. And this echoes Leviticus 19 verse 18 says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, when you look at the Ten Commandments, you can see you could sum them up as the first number of commandments about all about loving God and showing your love for God. And then the rest of them are about loving your neighbour. But what about ourselves? Because the Ten Commandments are about loving God. They're about loving neighbours. But what about the loving of ourselves? How does that fit in? Well, this is where Matthew 7 comes in, verse 12. And Jesus says this, In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. Why? For this is the law and the prophets. He says the same thing as what he says later on in Matthew when, he, when, he is, uh, when we have that Matthew text that says, Jesus is saying, you know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, love your neighbour as yourself. He's also saying there, this sums up the law and the prophets. And here, when he's saying, do to others as you would have them do to you, he's saying, this fulfills the law and the prophets. So it makes sense to grab both of those things and bring them together to understand what he's saying. <laughs> So, what do, why do good things to others? Because it's what you'd want them to do to you. Loving others in the way you'd want them to love you. So, I'm going to love you in the way that I want you to love me. And we see in the world that when that gets corrupt and twisted, we, get, we see all kinds of things done in the name of love that don't actually reflect the word of God and gets people into trouble. But when, we're, when we've got this right, when we desire, I desire that you are generous towards me in how you relate to me. And therefore, I want to be generous in how I relate to you. You could say it's a bit like the reap and sowing principle, in a sense. What you, what you sow is what you'll reap. If I am generous towards you, you may well be generous towards me. Now, it's not just simply, well, I'm going to be nice because I want you to be nice to me, in a selfish way, but simply that if we're all nice to each other, we're fulfilling the law and the prophets. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Romans 12. How are we doing? Are we doing all right? Okay. I'm glad we're doing okay because I'm going to read the whole of Romans 12. In answering the question of what does the way look like, it looks like this. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We could say that in the first couple of verses, we're talking about loving God. We love God by worshipping him in the way that he deserves, in the way that he's worthy of. And when we do that, actually, we can begin to discern what his will is. And then it goes on. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ. And then there's the second part of this, which I think we forget often, and individually we are members of one another. That needs some whole digging into, which I'm not going to do now. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then continue with Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Take a breath. <clears throat> from what I've seen over the 18 months or whatever it is that we've been with you you do this well and I want to encourage you I want to exhort you persevere don't give up 
keep going. Press on in. In the words of Hebrews 10, hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of truth, lead you in the way of Christ. And when you turn to the right, or when you turn to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Be encouraged that you are doing what God has put in you to do. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes you feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall. The world doesn't know how to measure success correctly. Success is obedience. When you do what God is telling you to do, when you're doing what God has put in you to do, that is success. You're being successful in being who God has called you to be. And we have to, many, most of the time, we have to leave the outcomes to him. And sometimes it just feels like everything is fruitless. Why are we doing this week in, week out, and we're not seeing this, and we're not seeing that, and revival hasn't broken out, and, and this and that and the other? God sees. God doesn't just see what you do. He sees the struggles to do them at times. He sees your heart in it. Lord, we are wanting to live for your glory. We are wanting to seek first your kingdom. Lord, by your spirit living in us, as we turn to the left and as we turn to the right, may we hear your voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen.